This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is Payne.tv slash gold. You are listening to Dustin Gold. That's me right here on the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, one more thing. I, I just want to bring this up as we start to talk about this stuff. I, I've really got to get uh, someone like Maria Albanese or Dan Goldmunch back on. I, I need someone that I can bounce ideas back and forth with. Uh, like a think tank where we're talking about different business ideas and such stuff you could do to start to create another revenue stream coming in. But for instance, uh, with web stuff, and, and I went to school for industrial design. I went to the Art Institute of Philadelphia back in 1999, and I went for industrial design, and I worked as a commercial sculptor. My first project out of college, I sculpted a 25-foot-tall Statue of Liberty for... It, I did not have the contract. I worked through a company called Theme Factory of Philadelphia, and it was a project for Liberty Tax Consultants. You know, they're like the really cheesy version of HR Block. And so they had the seven-foot-tall Statue of Liberties in front of their offices. We actually used to cast those in fiberglass at the theme factory. And so they wanted one for their headquarters. It was a 25-foot-tall Statue of Liberty. I went from that. Then I got into more uh, graphic design stuff. I'd built some big props for Philadelphia Zoo. Then I got into graphic design, uh, photo retouching. I got really good at Photoshop back in the day. Then I worked for a company called Corporate Image. We used to do custom commercial art. I ran that department. And so we would get uh, clients, hospitals, hotels, big corporate office buildings, and we would design their lobbies, design their conference rooms. We do custom art. Uh, and then they also had offside of the business that framed uh, artwork or prints. We would tie in these themes and everything. And then I started a graphic and web design business. So I, I've always been doing creative stuff. From there, I got into the corporate entertainment work that I did for many years. And then with my ex-wife, we had a photography graphics business. But one of the big things when you're looking to set up any sort of business now that's going to operate online or you're connecting multiple third-party applications to develop a website. Let's just say you're a barber and you do online booking for your haircuts, which I built systems like that for people back before COVID land, the high school theater production, where people pay a deposit online, everything. What happens when you build those, and I'm, I'm really good at this stuff. I'm still taking consulting work on this if there's anyone out there that needs it, uh, but I'm slowly going to phase myself out of that but i'm good at connecting various pieces of software third-party applications and making a whole system work and being able to do that for a lot less than in if you went out and hired a programmer to build a website for you from scratch and a lot of these software there they go under the classification software as a service SaaS. and what happens though is that you can spend a whole bunch of time 
coming up with an idea. So let's say I was building goldstandard.tv and I wanted to have uh, Facebook-like communication between people. So I'm going to build the site on WordPress's content management system. That's what it's called. Okay. And then I'm going to use a series of what are called plugins that are these little pieces of software. And some of them are full-blown software as a service that you're going to bring in and interconnect with the site, make it work together through plugins. But before you know it, you might have 15, 20, 25 plugins that make your website work and do everything you want it to do. Let's just say on an e-commerce store, let's say I want to sell t-shirts. So there's a company, Printful. I sign up with them. They handle the printing of all the shirts, right? So they'll print me t-shirts, let's say for $10, I want to make $5 on them, I mark them up to $15. So now I'm relying on this company, Printful. They're going to sh- they're gonna print and they're going to ship for me. Now, to process the money, I have to sign up with Stripe. Stripe is the payment processor, right? Now, there's a second company. Now, I'm going to connect those in. I'm going to pull them back into my WordPress site, and I'm going to use another platform uh, that connects into WordPress, which handles the actual e-commerce. So I got to get that plugged in. And then there's a series of plugins that I use to make it all work. So when you order on the website, it then pushes that order through, it charges your credit card on Stripe, then it pushes that order over to Printful, then Printful prints and ships it, and then the receipt comes back and it has to go through my site. So by the time it's all said and done, there might be seven to 10 pieces of third-party software I have to rely on. Now, any one of those at any given time can break. Any one of those companies could sell out to another company or go out of business or just close their doors. And so you create a series of issues, right, in this supply chain of technology that you've actually created. Now, if it's working smoothly, it works great. If you have someone like me managing it for you, it works great. I have a website that I might be tuning up for somebody, something I built four or five years ago. I reached out to them and I said, hey, you know, if you don't do some security updates and update these plugins, your site is going to start breaking. And lo and behold, what happened was it started breaking. And I said, it's going to cost you a lot more for me to do this piecemeal than if I just went in there and fixed it all up for you. There's uh, another company that I know, this engineer, they need a new site. I've been going back and forth with them. But eventually, I'm going to get myself out of that world because I'm going to slowly try to make the podcast here and whatever website I built to go with the podcast my only tech-related business. That's going to be considered my so-called online business, all right, because I don't want a whole set of problems, and I don't want to gear my future towards building websites for people and doing programming. Uh, Although I think that stuff is going to be needed as we move forward, there's a lot of new programming that I have to learn to move into this whole Web3 metaverse world that I really don't want to do. I want to separate myself from that world, not become uh, part of it, folks, not become part of it. So if you're going to start an internet-based business, just keep all that in mind. You're creating a series of problems. You don't know when these software companies are going to sell. You don't know if their exit strategy, their business exit strategy is to build up that company and then sell it to Google. And Google's just going to close it because it's a competitor of another product they have. All of this stuff is very hard to figure out. Even if you talk to these companies in their early stages, their CEO is not going to say to you, 
oh yeah we're trying to build up this video hosting company so we can sell it to youtube in three years and they can close it uh because then you're not going to use their service and they need to get x number of customers on board x amount of content on their platform before they can sell it to google so what happens is you go and you'll spend 50 100 200 hours uh investing your time into learning the system uploading your videos putting in the descriptions tagging them and then all of a sudden this company decides to sell you don't even want to know the amount of work mike moore went through moving his podcast thousands of episodes from spotify to another platform when they cut him off i mean it is painstaking it is painstaking so just keep in mind that stuff comes up when you're dealing with a tech-based company. But this year, my focus is to turn the uh, Dust and Gold Standard podcast, and if I end up having to launch a platform, as I mentioned in episode 117, may be the case, that's going to be my internet-based business, okay? Then what I'm starting to look for is something that I can do locally, all right? Meanwhile, meanwhile, I have to start to make some more income Uh, The last couple of years of my life has been really weird. I told you guys, I went through a divorce. I basically walked away from everything. I left with essentially zero. Like I had a couple grand in my pocket. My freedom meant more to me than the money uh, that we had saved up and everything. So I walked away from that. I gave my ex the photography business. I just walked away with basically nothing. So I was rebuilding, starting from zero. So this year, uh, because Willie G came out of order, uh, my job was to rebuild, buy a piece of land in West Virginia, find a woman, have a child. Instead, I found the woman, had the child. Now I got to get the piece of land out in West Virginia. So that's what we're going to be working on this year. Once I have that land, then my uh, sort of my um, activities are going to change somewhat. But 2023 is going to be about getting me to that piece of land and starting to establish a skill set that I can make money off of, but then utilize once I get this piece of land to turn it into a homestead. And I'll be able to take those skills with me to the piece of land that we also have over in Poland. Because I told you, we want to have sort of two base camps, one in Poland, one in West Virginia, be able to go back and forth with Willie G. And so the first thing is, uh, we've got the internet-based business, right? That's something that if it runs, if I don't get shut down, if the technocrats don't close it, I can utilize to generate income, whether I'm in Poland or whether I'm in West Virginia, as long as I can be connected to the internet and everything is working. This relies on me having ad revenue come in off the public side. This relies on folks subscribing uh, to the premium content. This relies on whether or not I decide to do merchandise, uh, if I bring sponsors on board, uh, if people donate to the show. Those are really the only ways you can make money off of this podcast world, except going out and speaking in public, which I'm going to get to a little bit later. So that's the first part, the internet-based business. Now I'm looking for something that I can do locally. Something I could do locally to start to build a little cash flow, hopefully deal a little bit in cash itself, right? Which might be a mixture of utilizing, uh, say, Facebook marketplace type 
uh, local networking, but using that to build an actual network of clients in and around my area within a 20, 30 mile radius and start to actually build a Rolodex of clients. So I'm not working for Instacart, going out, relying solely on the gig app and not not building a book of business because you might go shop for Mrs. Jones and buy her groceries for her at Costco and she might be a great tipper. You might make $100, but Mrs. Jones is Instacart's client, not yours. And even if you say to Mrs. Jones, hey, I will go shopping for you. Uh, just pay me directly. It doesn't work. I know a lot of Instacart drivers that thought about this. They're always dreaming about it. It's not going to work because if Mrs. Jones orders 42 items from the Instacart app uh, through Costco, it, she can't, she's not going to text you a list of what she wants. The pictures aren't there. Then you need to what? Front the thousand dollars to buy her stuff and then get to her house and ask her for the money. So those are not your clients. Well, you want to start to build a book of business locally, as we talked about here with Dan Golvach on episode 115, folks. So when I get back, let's talk a little bit more about this, some ideas that I'm putting together. And I'd eventually like to talk to you folks about what you're working on. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. All right, so let's just take, for instance, as an example, as you know, I've been messing around making this no-need bread in the oven inside of a cast iron dutch oven and and my breads actually are coming out really good and i'm about to start making uh some new bread with sourdough starter instead of yeast i've talked about the yeast bread on the show now i have a sourdough starter already in the refrigerator i was actually about to start making mine and then our friend elena gave me some of hers i fed that i got it going and so my mother at the same time down in texas she's been making uh sourdough bread really good artisan bread it looks beautiful and so my wife got me a kit uh not to make the bread but these certain bowls that you need to make this uh artisan bread so I'm going to be messing around with that. I, I gave them out for Christmas and stuff. Everybody loved the breads. But I said, you know what? This is fun. It's actually relaxing. I put on some old Italian dinner music, and I sit there, and I make bread. But uh, I, I start looking into it. I said, well, let me see. I mean, bread could be interesting. You could sell it at farmer's markets and that kind of thing. But it doesn't fit in to the plan for 2023. Why? Because if you're doing it at home, right, Uh, You could do two Dutch ovens basically in the oven at the same time. I tested it out. But it takes about 40 minutes to cook two loaves of bread. So if you're running your oven all day long, let's say um, you can do, let's say, I don't know. You could pull off, really, if you were doing this 10 hours a day, you could pull off 20 loaves of bread. 
okay but the night before you'd have to mix up all of this dough and it would just be it would be almost impossible well let's say you could do 20 loaves of bread well you're going to sell an artisan loaf of bread between around here six and eight dollars now you could build a clientele pretty quickly you have to watch out in tennessee you could get away with this uh my ex-wife and i actually started like a black market really designer food keto business during the beginning of covid land the high school theater production we did really well and the neighbors were pretty well and they were supporting us buying the food i think we built it from zero to about eight hundred dollars a week in a matter of three weeks and then we actually did some catering we had a couple of private little backyard weddings during covid land the high school theater production we charged like a thousand bucks to do those but up here in maryland you got to be careful because people may rat you out for not having a food license now if you have to go the direction of getting a commercial kitchen license and insurance and all this forget about it i mean now all of a sudden you might as well get a food truck or you might as well open a brick and mortar uh, brick and mortar restaurant which is not something i want to do it doesn't fit into my plan so let's say you were doing it black market style and you were selling the bread if you can get away with it on facebook marketplace and start building a local uh base of people that buy a loaf of bread from you once or twice a week i think you could build it up rather quickly but here's the issue let's say you're selling uh if you go to wegmans which is the really nice grocery store here a loaf of their bread made in house they actually make the dough there it doesn't come frozen from headquarters they make the dough they mix it there they cook it a loaf of their bread's about seven bucks the bread i'm making honestly beats that even though there's is really good the bread i make at home is better so let's say you were charging seven dollars Heck, let's say you were charging $8, which is like the super high end. Now, between the flour, and in this case, you're going to have to use yeast because you're not going to have enough sourdough starter. So let's say you're using flour, you're using yeast, you're using salt, um, and you're using water. That's the base. And then you have, uh, I, I make a really good one with chopped up garlic, shredded Parmesan, basil, oregano, everything, bagel seasoning, you know, minced garlic, little seeds and all this stuff. I mean, let's say it's costing you $2 per loaf of bread. Now, on top of it, you got to get bread bags if you're going to sell it. So let's say all together, you're up to $2.50, right? So $8 minus your $2.50 you're now at uh, $5.50, okay? Now, take out your electricity. I haven't even started to figure this out yet, but if the oven is running all day, let's just say you're able to, let's say electricity is costing you 50 cents a loaf. So let's say now you're at $5 a loaf, and this is making it home in a single oven, $5 a loaf, and this is without you charging sales tax. This is going totally black market. Uh, you're, you know, you're operating without a license, without insurance, so you're taking on a lot of risk. Let's just say you're doing it. You're acting like you're an Amish person, but you're not actually living in an Amish area. So you're doing 20 loaves in a day, right? I think that's what we said. Yeah, two, and then you've got 10 hours. And so let's say you're doing 20 loaves in a day. 20 times the $5 profit, you're doing all that to make $100 in a day. Now, when you put the bread in the oven, okay, 
It's got to cook for 30 minutes with the top on the Dutch oven. Then you got to run upstairs from the office here, take it out, take the tops off, put it back in with the top off. Then you got to run up there in 10 more minutes and take it back out. And then you got to have a place for all this to cool. So you're doing all this work to make $100 a day on top of what else you're doing. You're running nonstop. That's 10 hours of cooking. And then it's going to be about an hour or two to prepare the dough at the end of the night. So you're talking 12 hours to make $100. You're making literally $8.25 an hour so it's not feasible now when you start looking into professional bread ovens where you can cook more bread you start looking into professional mixer all right all of a sudden now you've got to lay out 15 20 thousand dollars now you're at the point where you're going to have to rent a facility like an industrial kitchen or you're going to have to go use a shared kitchen space i looked into that it's just not worth it because now i can't be sitting here working on the podcast in between making the bread because i'm over at a commercial kitchen Uh, and if you get your own space now you're going to have to get insurance now you're going to have to get uh, a license and all this other stuff so i looked at it and i said this isn't worth it plus on top of it my plan if i ever wanted to make bread for the purpose of being able to barter with people like say i went to farmer carol and uh, i had this uh, fairly well established system going and i went to farmer carol and i wanted to pick up my box of vegetables every week okay which would be normally say i don't forty dollars let's just say that's what it is big box of vegetables from her garden and what she barters with other farmers so instead i say to carol look i'm gonna give you seven loaves of bread in trade for that $40 box of vegetables. All right, so basically it's costing me a little less than $6 a loaf of bread. I'm giving it away to her at that. And I do that, and then she turns around and she can sell those and make a little profit on them. She might be interested in doing that. But for me, it's it's not worth it because I'm looking down the line as bread. I want to be able to do something where I cook it in some kind of a wood-fired oven that I'm going to build outside eventually on my homestead so I can make the bread completely off of the grid. I don't want to build a bread business that relies on electricity. If I think coming down the line with central bank digital currency, with the climate change hustle, that they're going to manipulate how much electricity we're allowed to use based on our so-called carbon footprint. So my plan for bread is to eventually be able to make that off the grid. So once I I have my homestead then i'm looking at investing in building some kind of an outdoor wood-fired or coal-fired um, stove that i can cook 20 30 loaves of bread in at a time so i said to myself all right bread's a great idea but it's not feasible it's not feasible and it only took me two or three hours to do the research put the numbers together and start to look at it it's just not worth it at the same time i don't want to cook an extra two or three loaves every day and go through the trouble of posting it on Facebook Marketplace or putting it on Craigslist or bothering people that are in my Rolodex. Hey, you want to buy a loaf of bread and be bothering people to sell an extra two or three loaves a day? That's going to bring you in an extra 10 or $15. It's just not worth 
the effort, folks. It's not worth the effort. So I've been starting to look at things like bread that fit into my future plans, okay, like how my father-in-law makes whiskey. And eventually, if I lived in Poland, I might ramp up a whiskey business. Uh, I've actually run all the numbers on that. Not something feasible to do here in Maryland and run the risk of getting in a lot of trouble for making it, you know, basically making moonshine. It's just not worth it because you need to ramp up the uh, you know the equipment you have and you actually need to build out at least a garage size factory you can't do it the way my father-in-law does it now his works great because he can take a jug of whiskey and go bring it to a friend's house who's cooking a giant dinner or he can trade it to somebody but he's not doing it uh, really even as a second source of income he does it more for fun and if he makes money on it it's okay so a lot of these things unless they're scaled up aren't really going to work so now I said to myself, all right, let me think about some other ideas here. So I start doing research into, you know, the best-selling products, what could be sold at a local level. I don't really want to be doing crocheting and arts and crafts and selling stuff on Etsy because that defeats the purpose of trying to build an off-the-grid business or as close to off-the-grid as possible, all right? So I start looking uh, at that stuff, and I go, then you got to go to craft fairs. Nobody's really making money on that. It's the same as the bread. You're going to sit around and crochet, what, three or four scarves a day if you're lucky, and then you're going to go sell those for $20 each. Even if you were doing it full-time, you're making $80 a day. That's only uh, $400 a week. That's not going to do anything for you folks it's not going to change your life and then uh the crocheting you know down the line great barter item but you got to be able to get a hold of the yarn so i start digging further and further and further and then i really start looking at uh getting back to the basics you know gold and silver now my grandfather my father's father lewis gold senior he actually had a gold business for quite a while it was actually called Cadillac Coins because he drove a Cadillac. I don't know why he called it Cadillac Coins when his last name was Gold. He obviously knew nothing about branding and marketing, which is part of my specialty. Some of what I've learned over the years in the design world. And so I said, okay, what if I looked into something that has to do with gold and silver? And at the end of the day, if you're actually buying and selling physical gold and silver, it is technically a commodity. So it's it's in your hand. If the gold market drops, you can hold it. Uh, but if you put the right business model together, you won't be holding stuff for a very long time. So I start doing a lot of research into uh, flipping gold and silver. And when I get right back after we flip through this short break, I'm going to explain that to you. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dustin Gold. I'll be right back right here on pain.tv slash gold. And you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. 